I have yet to know a human who has not made concessions in at least one of their relationships. Between the gaslighting that we experience in our families, religious establishments, society, friendships, and intimate partners, it's near impossible to not internalize things that cause us to doubt the validity of our desires and needs. And when that has happened, what is and is not okay in a relationship becomes blurry. So we settle. And so, so many of us end up lowering our bar in our relationships. In fact, I've had many clients sadly say their bar ended up on the ground. Today, my guests and I are going to share stories and insights from our own lives, and in doing so, hope to inspire you to raise your bar, sis. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast, and in case you missed it last week, I have got a really exciting offering for you today. I'm about to partner with Worth to do a special adaptation of my empowerment program. I take my 12-lesson program and condense it into an eight-week class. In this class, you get live teaching from me, live Q&A time with me after the teaching, and you get to do this with other women whose questions and insights will add to your own journey. Can't make the live class? No worries. We've got you. You can watch the recordings, submit your questions via an online doc- document, and I'll answer your question in the next class. Pretty cool. And all this for about a third of the cost of what it would normally be to do a group cohort with me. So if you're interested, please go to healingwithworth.org. I'll have the link in the show notes. And the class begins March 6th. So that's why I'm pushing this kind of hard right now, because I don't want y'all to miss out. Now, before I introduce my guest today, I want to state that even though I said I was fighting cedar fever last night, I actually finally got COVID five years in y'all, and I'm still dealing with a lot of the symptoms. So I'm embracing my kind of nasally slash old smoker lady voice era. That's where I'm at. So hope you enjoy it. But the show must go on. So my guest today is no stranger to the pod. She's one of my besties who was on the show twice last year. And I reckon she'll be no stranger this year either because I'm going to have her back at least a couple of times because when we get together, magic happens. So Annie, welcome back to season two in the pod. Hello, hello. Yay. So um, let's just dump. Dump. <laughs> I'm already thinking like dumpster fire. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in is what I was trying to say. And I, I want to talk about a number of different places because I think so often people come to me and they want to do this work around gaslighting because of what they're experiencing in their intimate partnership. But I can look at pretty pretty much every area of my life and see where I have made concessions and friendships and jobs just all over the place. And so I thought we could pull in a couple of different varieties of, of stories. So to get the ball rolling, I'll share one of mine. So this one has to do with intimate partner concessions and actually what happened for me after I divorced because with all of the betrayal and all of the secret sexual behaviors that my ex had had, I really realized that I had unknowingly been sharing my person, like without my consent. <laughs> I didn't know it, right? And um, I'm a Taurus and we don't like to share. So <laughs> I kind of like made myself this promise of I will never share my person again. 
And then when it got to the time in my life when I started dating again, the first two people that I dated for any length of time were actually dating other people the same time as me. Even though when I got out of the relationships, like I didn't, I knew I didn't want it. But when I was in the relationships, I made concessions for it. So I had made myself this promise. I will never share my person again. And then whoopsie, here, here I am. But this time with consent, right? This time I like made excuses. And one of the things I wanted to do as we talk about concessions in here today is talk about like, why do we do it though? right? Like bringing in that gaslighting component, which whenever I talk about concessions, I'm always going to like self gaslighting, mm -hmm. which, which for me is always, always our authentic self does not gaslight ourselves. It's our inauthentic self. And that, that inauthentic self is created by internalizing the gaslighting that we have heard coming from other places, right? So right. it never originates with us. So, so I want to be clear with my listeners, like, that that is not that's a great way to think about it is our inauthentic self is gaslighting our authentic self and that's basically kind of what self gaslighting is so for me with that example one of the things that i was telling myself is a couple of things first is i need to give her space to figure herself out right like the, especially the one person that I dated for a long time because of the complexities of, of where we were both at and figuring out who we were and our orientation and all of these different things. What I did is I, I wasn't paying attention to what I was really feeling and what I was really needing. And instead I was focusing on what did she need, right? And yeah. so, yes, right? <laughs> like you guys can't see her, but Annie just pointed like so hard like that, that right yes. there right? It's that, it's that self-abandonment piece. And along with that, anytime, because usually if we slow down enough and get curious enough in the moment, we can really point to the self-gaslighting messages that we said, or the feelings maybe in conjunction with that is the feelings of, I don't like this or something along those lines, something feels wrong. Like anytime I would start to feel jealous or threatened by the other people, it's like, you know what? I'm past, like, I'm, I'm, I'm mature. Like I can handle this. Like, at least it's not secret. I know what's going on. Right. But deep down, I didn't want to be doing that. Right. Being in the land of shoulds. Thank you. You're the one who came up with that. Right. That's what it was. I shouldn't feel threatened or jealous. I should feel okay with this. And if we take it a layer deeper, like where does that self-gaslighting, concession-making, how does that connect to my inauthentic self? And I think that that for me, when I look at my authentic self does not operate out of fear, it doesn't operate out of compulsion, right? Like my, my authentic self operates out of self-trust, out of love, like out of, right? Like all of these things. So whenever I can recognize operating out of fear, I'm operating out of my inauthentic self. And for me, that one big time was fear of not being enough, right? Like if I stood my ground and I told these people, I don't want you dating anybody else right now, that they would have said, okay, well then bye, Sarah. Uh, yes. <laughs> it connects so much because also a lot of times to me, I feel like when that happens, it's I'm seeking a sense of belonging mm -hmm. and not feeling, not feeling lonely. And it's like, if I speak my truth and mm -hmm. I like what I want, and I'm abandoned. Mm. I don't have that sense of belonging. So how do I how do I make myself belong? 
But if mm-hmm. we're being our inauthentic selves, we're not belonging, we're fitting in. And exactly. that's super icky. Ooh, say that again. That if was we're good. not bringing our authentic selves to the table, it's it's not really belonging. It's fitting in. It's shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. Within my body, when that would happen, it felt very icky. Mm-hmm. And I was actually talking to my 11-year-old about this the other night when it came Ooh. to friendships. Mm-hmm. And I was like, buddy, if fear of being yourself creates a fear of my friends won't like me, then those aren't really friends. Yeah. You're not getting them to know you. Yeah. And deep inside, you're always going to feel that that anxiety of if they really see me and know who I am, would they choose me? Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard, right? Because we're meant as humans, we're meant to be in relationships. We're not meant to be alone. And so it can really trigger that kind of primal thing of I'm going to (laughs) die, right? Like if I don't have connections. And so it's really hard to stand our ground in those spaces. And I just love, I mean, gosh, learning these lessons at 11, like, wow, how different people's lives would be if we would learn that, you know what, we're not, we're not going to die. It might be a little bit hard, right? Like yeah. my, we might go through a little bit of a season of being a little lonely, right? But loneliness doesn't kill us, right? It's hard. And in the long run, it's so, so much better because then you don't self-abandon. Right. I think that why that's so important is because the more we self-abandon, you know, it starts out with small things. But in my intro, I talked about how we lower our bar. Our bar might start off pretty high and then something happens and we're afraid that we're going to be too much or not enough. And so we lower our bar. And then every time we lower it, it gets a little bit easier to lower it. Right. And it gets harder to move it back up then. Right. Right. And it becomes a game of how low can we go and still feel any connection to ourselves. Oh man. Yes. You had me do an exercise of kind of writing out what I wanted in a partner, what Mm -hmm. I deserved. You remember Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. And even writing it out at the time felt uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, my bar has been so low Mm -hmm. to write out the bar that I want. I wasn't quite to where I knew I deserved it yet. That, yep. It felt like I was asking too much immediately just for wanting what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it sounds like you were in that place of like, I want commitment and Mm -hmm. someone to want me, but Mm -hmm. it feels like, I mean, you said not enough, but to me, the not enough and too much a lot of times. Oh yeah, for sure. I want too much, right? And the other, it's like the other side of that coin is, and I'm not enough, right? Or not enough to ask for that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Those bastards. <laughs> Those messages. <laughs> oh man, how they get us, right? I, I feel like mine's kind of on the same vein, but also opposite. When I was like getting back out into the dating world, I went the route of internet dating. Mm-hmm. You know, like the last time I had dated had been 2007. <laughs> it was way before this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was new to me mm-hmm. and, you know, you're, you're listening to your friends and, and how it worked for them and things like that. And I was making connections and going on dates and I found time and time again, people wanted a level of commitment and a label that I was not comfortable with mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they had these 
pre-lined out timelines of like, all right, well, we've been dating for two or three months. Like you're my girlfriend now, right? Mm -hmm. And the level of depth that I need to connect with somebody to feel safe, Mm. even to even understand what that means to someone, Mm -hmm. I can't find out in two to three months. Yeah. But I was playing that game of gaslighting myself of, am I being avoidant? Is this Mm -hmm. something else popping up? And like, essentially I knew what I knew. I knew I didn't know this person well enough. Yeah. I have that level of commitment. And I knew that I had fallen into that trap before by getting engaged and married too soon. Mm. Feeling like I didn't have a way out. And typically uh, in the instances that I'm thinking of, there were two specifically that you and I would talk about where Mm -hmm. like for a while I kind of stood my ground Mm -hmm. and then I would make a concession typically because I, I, you know, I, I had studied a lot about healthy relationships and showing up as a good partner and like, you know, if you want to become a chef, you can only read so many recipes before you actually get in the kitchen. And I'm yeah. like, I want to, I want to make it work. Mm-hmm. But what I realized was I would commit to being someone's girlfriend mm-hmm. before I was ready because that was what they needed mm-hmm. for their emotional safety. That's what they needed to feel comfortable moving forward. But I completely abandoned what I needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My nervous system would go berserk. Like, in the yeah. first 90 days, people are on their best behavior. And the yeah. number one thing I look for when it comes to committing to a partner above all of the expectations and <laughs> things that I want mm-hmm. is healthy conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. In 90 days, even if there has been something that's got a rub, you haven't really worked through it. And it hasn't been any of the big things. Yeah. So like I couldn't see what I needed to see to be called someone's girlfriend. And- was there a main message that would kind of drive that concession? Um, for me, it was that other people's needs matter more than my own. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think specifically as women, we're sold that a lot. You know, how many times do you hear she's so selfless? Yeah. I think that, and I think culturally, you put everybody, our kids and our partners, they, their needs go before ours. I think for religiously, a lot of us are told, give the shirt off your back. The majority of these places were not taught that balance of, okay, but yes, it, you, not until not not so much that you become a doormat or not so much that you are harmed or not so much that, you know, you're abandoning yourself and you're actually harming yourself because you're not paying attention to your body's cues. (laughs) Like we're not given the parameters. It's just like this blanket kind of expectation and statement that we've been told. And so I think it makes sense that, you know, that that's an underlying driving belief that we operate out of. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how it works both ways. In the first situation where this happened, like it came back around and I was like, Hey, I'm not comfortable with where we're at. We need to dial it back. Mm -hmm. He said he was comfortable with that. And I was like, I feel like you're making concessions. Mm -hmm. I said, and what you want is, is not too much, but I'm telling you, I'm not at a place to give it. Yeah. I don't want you making concessions either out of fear that I'll leave. Like either we can get to a healthy place with this or we can't. And we uh, eventually we couldn't. Right. Right. I love what you said there. That makes me think of a, of a friendship that I had that actually ended because they wanted to spend more time with me. For me, I felt like they weren't, 
understanding enough of my my life at that point in time and my commitments with my kids and my new partner and all of these different things. And I was like, this is what I have to offer, right? Like I will show up and I will show up like this, 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 and this. But when I can't, right, let's not make a mistake. Like if I am, if I have to help my partner out with this or hang out with you, like I'm going to reschedule with you. Like I love you, but, and I want to be your friend, but this is what I can offer right now. And they weren't okay with that. And I was like, okay, well, you don't have to change. I love what you said, right? Like we don't, that's not us asking for too much. Like she wasn't asking for too much. She knew what she wanted in a friend. And so it was a mismatch. That's all that neither one of us were right or wrong. It was a mismatch. You know, I, I love, it makes me think this relationship coach talking about how the right person at the wrong time is still the wrong person. And, and I think sometimes again, being mindful of fear and that if we're operating out of fear, we're, we're not in our authentic place. Right. And, and, and kind of understanding that if we meet somebody that is the right person, this goes back to what I talked about with Jenny a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about this notion that there's the one, right? And if we live in this place where we think that there's only one person that we could have these super amazing connections with, or that could be our intimate partner or whatever, then of course we're going to make concessions. Because if we meet this amazing person, but yet we're not ready, we're going to make concessions because we're afraid. What if I miss out, right? What if I never find somebody that is this good ever again? Yeah. And a lot of concessions that I made were in that way because it was like, okay, these things align, but these last two don't, but all Mm -hmm. these other things do. Uh And it's like, but you can have it all. Mm -hmm. You have, you have to be patient. You Mm -hmm. have to boundaries. Sometimes you have to take time. Yeah. You can have it all. So I have one to change it up a little bit and talk about a, a little bit of a different situation. Because again, one of the things I want to do in this podcast this season is just help people connect with how many different ways gaslighting actually shows up in our life when we, we aren't even aware, right? Um, so I was thinking about a job and, and I know that you're familiar with this job, <laughs> but a job that I stayed at much longer than I wanted to because of the way they were wanting me to interact with the clients that were being sent to me. There were a number of things that just were not lining up. And I loved my clients, but I dreaded working for this organization. And one of the things that I, the concession that I made, the self-gaslighting that I did was basically a sentence of, well, it's not that bad. At least it's only me, right? At least it's only me that feels this way or that kind of a thing. Like I was minimizing the energy and all of the things that this organization was putting out and saying, it's not that bad. It could be so much worse, et cetera. Right. And I know people do that like in their relationships across the board too. And so that's kind of why I wanted to bring that out, right? Like it's not that bad, but for me, really, when I trace it back to what, what was the inauthentic place that I was operating out of, and it was a scarcity mindset, it was fear, right? Like if I stand my ground and say, I will not align myself with this organization that I no longer respect or believe in, like what's going to happen? What's going to happen in my career? What's going to happen financially? I, I make up the large majority of self-gaslighting concession kind of things are going to be fear-based when we boil it all down. But um, I feel like that's a, that's a big one that I wanted to pull out and point, right? That it's not that bad. And I saw you have a big reaction to that. So I'm guessing you have a tie-in to that, that phrase. Um. 
I tend to be a pretty positive person and gratitude helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. One of the things I saw is that in a toxic positivity way, I would gaslight myself out of feeling anything by saying mm-hmm. I should just be grateful that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm at a job that is working me to the bone, if if I'm anxious mm-hmm. every day and I show up and I have a negative feeling, immediately my brain goes to you should just be grateful that you have a job. Mm-hmm anything that happened in my toxic marriage. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is bad. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. Well, you should just be grateful that he's not doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of the stuff was really bad, but you should just. Yeah. It's that, you know, minimizing what our reality is. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what's important for me, because I'm I'm just, I'm always trying to be mindful of my listeners and what they might be thinking and what they might be feeling. And, you know, like, understanding that we don't we don't always get to take action just because we don't like something right like so for example in that job or in your relationships like we not gaslighting ourselves doesn't mean you know we 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 lay the hammer down and we're like you change today or i'm out tomorrow right that's that's almost never possible the point is always for me is first of all we have to be able to process these feelings right? Otherwise they get stuck. They turn into shit in our bodies, right? That's why so many of us have so many different kinds of autoimmune diseases, right? Because we're trying to survive. And in order to survive, we, we think we have to make the concessions, right? And so I think bringing our awareness to know the point is be connected to your feelings, like pay attention, like this is not enough. And what does that mean for me? Like what kind of, what kind of things do I need to start doing to make myself safer, to maybe start coming up with some plan B's? Like sometimes plan B's take years, right? Mm -hmm. So the point is, I think for me is to not self-abandon, right? What does that look like for you? For me? Well, it means for, for example, it might mean um, I've had, well, I've had some clients who are in relationships where basically they were roommates for years, right? Like while their person was working on their stuff or while they were, um, you know, trying to get jobs lined up and, you know, all the different things so by them honoring their truth that this person is not safe. I'm not going to sacrifice my well-being emotionally, mentally, sexually, physically by pretending like I'm in a normal marriage with them or whatever, right? Like it might mean um, in a job kind of what I did, which was at the point where I started to realize I was making these concessions. Um, You know, I talked to my partner. I I started having conversations saying, I want to get out. Like, what do we need to do in order for me to get out? Instead of operating again, operating from fear. I was operating from curiosity. I was operating from, um, taking action, right? Like action doesn't have to be big action. It can even just be little steps. What's that? It sounds like empowerment. Yeah. Right. So in toxic relationships, it might mean, you know, um, if I'm making concessions and I'm saying it's not bad, it's not that bad. If I'm no longer making concessions and I'm saying actually it is that bad, well, what does that mean for me? Well, I need to start building some support for myself. So I'm going to start researching some support groups. I'm going to, right? Like it doesn't have to be these big dramatic things. It just means I'm honoring myself and my truth. Yes. That to me is the opposite of making concessions. Thank you for that clarity. 
Yeah, of course. I'm sure people were thinking it. So thank you for asking. Well, and breaking things down like that can make it not feel as scary. Yeah. Because when you self-abandon for, I mean, even as long as I did, it was a very mm -hmm. long time. I was mm -hmm. built upon basically abandoning myself. When yeah. you start to speak, and it is still scary for me sometimes to speak my truth. Yeah. Give it and smaller, smaller steps. Yeah. Build that muscle. Another, I get, I heard a quote the other day that said, when self-love feels too radical, start with self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I remember the self-love narrative felt so huge to me mm -hmm. at one point. And mm -hmm. on days where it feels a little bigger, I'm like, okay, we don't mm -hmm. need to reach Yeah. And you know, for me, I would even say if self-acceptance feels too big, start with self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because I think for me, it goes back to that epiphany I had all those years ago, where I was like, how can you love what you don't know? And we don't know ourselves because we've been self-abandoning because most of us have been taught to since we were young. Right. Ooh, me chills. <laughs> right. So again, that that's the whole point. It doesn't matter what relationship it, it, it is in. Like we want to be mindful of the concessions because the more concessions we make, the less we know ourselves, the less we know ourselves, the less we're going to love ourselves. And the less we love ourselves, the more concessions we're going to make. And then it just becomes this downward spiral. Oh, preached. Right. <laughs> so, <good. laughs> so that's great. So, right. So for me, like, Sometimes even now with some things, there are hard things to accept about myself or love about myself, but I'm not abandoning myself when I'm accepting, not accepting, when I'm acknowledging, yeah, I just thought that, or yeah, I felt that. And I might have some self-judgment, which comes from the inauthentic self, right? Like about what I just thought or about what I just felt, but at least I'm not pushing it away or numbing it out or silencing it. Right. I'm acknowledging it. Right. I'm aware of it. I'm acknowledging it. And the more I can acknowledge things and, and be like, oh, okay. So I am actually okay that I just acknowledge I didn't like what I just said. <laughs> right. Like, or whatever. Right. Like, okay. I feel human. Right. Or whatever. Right. Like, the more we can notice these things, the more we reconnect to ourselves. And then the more we can love ourselves. Right. And then mm -hmm. it becomes a spiral that goes the opposite way. So I love that you said that because then we could break it down even more, right? Because awareness is the first piece of, oh, I didn't like what that person just did. Or, oh, I didn't like that I just thought that. Or, oh, I really, really liked what they just said <laughs> or whatever, right? Like that helps us know. That helps us know even where to set our bar. Yeah. Are, because otherwise we're kind of letting other people set our bars, aren't we? Yes. Oh, what, what are you thinking? The amount of times, um, my partner will be like that bar is entirely too low. Mm -hmm. Your current partner. Yes. Yes. Or um, big fans. Big fans. Of current partner. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you were talking about that, I'm like, ah, oh, it was so low. It was 12 feet under mm. and it takes time mm -hmm. to get it up where it belongs. Yeah. And you know, old patterns are our old patterns. Yeah. We work to rebuild them, but some pieces remain, I feel. Yeah. So are you thinking of, is anything else coming up for you? Any specific examples of ways that you made concessions that you think would be helpful? Oh, let me think here. Um, I think overall, 
So I have like one from dating Mm -hmm. where I always love to give space and grace for humans to human. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, the hard balance for me is when it crosses over into making concessions of what I want. So I had a, a gentleman I was dating that when we did have our points of conflict would essentially ghost me. Mm-hmm. Which would activate some of the anxious pieces of attachment issues I was healing. And yeah. And we met back up. We went for a walk. I said, this level of communication does not work for me. It hurts me. This is how it hurts me. And it's not something I want in a relationship if you're wanting this to move forward. Mm-hmm. He's sorry that he's not better. The emotional piece, he will work on it. Mm-hmm. Looking back now. I had that conversation way too many times. Mm, okay. Yeah. In a concession that I feel like was based in empathy on like, he wants to grow. He wants to mm-hmm. be better. That, that should be enough. Mm, there's the should. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and wanting to grow and wanting to be better without the action is yes. not enough. No. <laughs> I lived no. that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, because I think, as you know, um, one of the things I teach about in my course is the empathy trap, right? Mm-hmm. And how that sucks us in, makes us vulnerable to gaslighting by other people and also vulnerable to gaslighting ourselves, right? And I, I think that part where you talked about, you know, I had that conversation too many times yep. and the words without actions too many times, right? Like it's one thing to give people a chance to grow, to heal, to change. Um, And it's even one thing to let them have a chance and maybe they're doing it, but doing it slower than you'd like, but they're still doing it, (laughs) right? Versus somebody who just keeps promising, right? Like I I think of the the kind of the breadcrumbing or the future faking, either one that we talk about um, as gaslighting tactics. Those are things that can really exacerbate the the empathy trap into making concessions. Well, they keep saying, right? So it's okay if I'm getting hurt, if my feelings are getting hurt because they've said that they're going to work on it. I Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times it was like, I should just be grateful that he's going to therapy. Mm-hmm. I've seen, but what was being applied? What was mm-hmm. learned? Like, was there actual growth there? And was it quick enough for me to feel safe? And this was in my um, marriage to my ex-husband. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's a huge part. Was it quick enough for me to feel safe? Right. But you know, a good wife mm-hmm. stays and mm-hmm. supports. That's mm-hmm. what a good wife and a good girl yeah. does. Yeah. Was that other messaging that I kind of had in there that yeah. motivated a lot of things? For sure. For sure. I was, I was, what did I, I was just trying to think of something. Now I, I lost it. Um, you know, I think one of the other things, um, cool to change subjects. Yeah. I have another example at some point that I feel like you might like. Okay, cool, cool. Let's do that one now and then I'll do the other ones. Um, this one came from my marriage. So anyone okay. who knows me knows I love to celebrate. I love to celebrate others, whether it's with words or mm-hmm. gifts or activities. Um, and also I love to be celebrated, mm-hmm. but it, it really does not take a lot for me. 
Um, my, I always joke that my main love language is just being thought of. Mm-hmm. A that you saw something weird at a thrift shop made you think of me. Mm-hmm. That is, to me, that's you celebrating me. That's us celebrating mm-hmm. know each other. I love that. Mm-hmm. So throughout my marriage, every year, I would ask for either, you know, like anniversary celebration, birthday celebration, typically what I would ask for, you know, like, what do you want for your birthday? I want a night out to dinner. And I don't even like expensive dinners anywhere. It's like, I want you to arrange the babysitter. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was what I would ask for every year. And then the, the day would come and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years specifically were the day before my birthday, I had discovery days. Mm. Um, which, do you want me to clarify that or? Um, yeah, maybe. We can, oh. I mean, no, you don't have to go into detail, but just high level. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If you had a partner who struggles with sex addiction, a lot of times you have discovery days where you're slowly or in a big way discovering what was going on behind your back. There you go. Great. Um, and I made a list of mine at one point. I had hit 14 and I was like, I don't really need to go any further. Yeah. Two day before my birthday. And I remember the first one where my brain went was like, well, maybe now that he's making up for something, he'll like do something for my birthday or get wow. me something. <sighs> wow. And then the next day came and still nothing. But wow. when, I, when I say a bar being mm-hmm. below the ground, mm-hmm. like you just emotionally annihilated me and I feel unsafe, but maybe you'll feel bad enough to mm-hmm. take me today. Mm-hmm. On your birthday. On my birthday. Maybe. Maybe. My brother took me out to dinner and watched me cry. Wow. Wow. You know, and and yet, I I know so many of us who have had stories like that, right? Where it's just, you know, and I think what that what that leads me to, um, what or maybe what I could say is what that made me think of instantly is my, you know, epiphany one day where I had my aha moment and I, I said out loud, I was by myself and I know you've heard this story before, but I was by myself driving in my car and I was like, I will never beg to be loved well ever again. Yes. It is one thing to speak your needs, you Mm -hmm. know, because he likes to be celebrated. I don't think it's, I don't think it comes to a place of, well, I don't want to have to ask for it because then you're expecting people to be mind readers. Right. <laughs> this is something that I want and enjoy. Yeah. But you know, after 10 years of it not happening, you're begging. Exactly. That's, yep. And I made a concession of something that makes me feel good and is important to me because mm-hmm. I felt like it was too much. I was mm-hmm. told it was too much to expect mm-hmm. that from people. And let me tell you what, the way my friends show up, Mm-hmm. obviously you included mm-hmm. knowing that I enjoy those things yeah has shown me that it is not too much that's right that's right I love that and you know I was actually gonna um we can circle back around to that when we talk about so what what can we do right and we can we can circle back around to that because that's I think an important part of both of our journeys um and learning how to make not make concessions. Um, but I just wanted to really quickly point out just a couple more scenarios or not point out, share a couple more scenarios just so people get an idea of other ways that it might show up. And so I was talking to Melanie before the, Oh, I'm going to scratch that. 
Cause she's like, you're not going to say that this is for me. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so I gathered a couple other examples and um, so I was talking to someone and they were telling me about how they allowed one of their friends who was in a rough space to, to live in their house with, with them for free basically. And had asked that, you know, in, in exchange for living in my house, um, which this person at that point is kind of like doing a, a, like a renting out to the different rooms in the house, different people. Um, cause they were single. And so, yeah, that's, I have a nephew who did that and has made a good, good amount of money doing that. Right. So anyways, um, so as an exchange, right. Like I just asked that you maybe do one big project around the house, um, a month, like once a month, just do some big project and we'll be cool. Right. But this person was not doing those projects. They were just like taking three months to paint the fence kind of a thing. And, um, and so when I was talking to them and getting curious around, okay, so where do you feel you made the concession? Well, it was not asking them to like step up their game, right? Like we made, we made kind of an informal agreement, right? Like you're my friend, but now I feel like you're taking advantage of my generosity basically. Right. Um, and they didn't do that because this person was struggling in life and was kind of a little bit in and out of some psychiatric care and different things like that. And so when you boiled out down to it, it was like, well, you know, I, I carrying a feeling of responsibility for this person's well being, Right. Um, which, has essences of truth, but also not right. Like again, to, to me, it goes back to when, when these principles that are good are not taught boundaries, mm -hmm. right? It's like the empathy and having boundary, like showing up and helping our fellow humans, right? Without boundaries, right? Where, where people do start to go into taking advantage and taking for granted and things like that. And then we end up self-abandoning, right? Because it's, it's a ding to our sense of worth, right? If we go back on ourselves continually, go back on the things that we know we need, go back on the things that we've asked for, it dings our sense of self-worth. And that's exactly what happened in this situation, right? There was this societal religious pressure to not, you know, to keep providing for this person so that they didn't end up in the psych ward, but then you're held hostage by that person's well-being. And we're not meant to carry that kind of a load for another person. So I thought that was a good example because it, to me, again, I think the, the, the really important part is we don't, we don't have to do this black and white binary all or nothing thinking. It's not like either I show up and I do good things and then I'm making concessions or, you know, I just say no to everybody all the time. And right? like, it's the boundaries around these things that, that keep us protected from self-abandoning. I think. I think what really helped me was, um, and actually this is a good example. Uh, my partner and I were talking about valuing relationships mm -hmm. and like, what those hierarchies might look like between like kids, partners, family, friends, but he didn't say self. And my response was my relationship to myself. Yeah. Number one for me at all times has to be. And I put that on a list and, you know, my therapist pointed out when I listed it one time was like, you aren't on there. Mm. That's then where the boundaries came from because yeah. you then you can, I think, you know, when you see yourself as a representation of the people you love, mm -hmm. 
you love yourself well first. Ooh, that's like the second like truth bomb that I'm like, that's going to be one of my social media posts next year. I mean, <laughs> next week. Like, like I just, like, I really want you, like, I already had you do this once, but I want you to say it again. Can you say that again? Do you remember what you said? Sometimes it takes externalizing our relationship with ourselves and viewing it like we do with the people we love so that we love ourselves well first. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so good. Well, why don't we go ahead and um, just go into, I think that's the perfect lead into what are some of the things that has helped us or that my listeners can do to, you know, kind of reverse that spiral that we talked about to like stop making the concessions and, you know, start being more connected to ourselves and you know, not self-abandoning. What are, so one you just listed, externalizing, um, you know, our relationship with ourselves, so that we treat it like we do the rest of our relationships, right? We put, we give it boundaries, we honor it, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you alluded to this before, we can talk about this a little bit more. I know um, both of us got to kind of practice, if you will, and I don't even know that I really like saying that. I'm going to scratch that. Both of us, let's <laughs> start all over. Both of us really left our intimate partner, our marriage, our first marriage, and we're able to have a season of really learning what it was like to be loved well in the context of our platonic friendships. Yeah. Um, boy, such a journey. So when I exited <laughs> my first marriage, I realized that not only was that relationship toxic and, it, you know, unhealthy, I realized mm -hmm. that my relationship with myself was unhealthy. Mm -hmm. My relationship with actually a lot of the beautiful friends I had in my life wasn't quite healthy. I didn't mm -hmm. quite understand it yet. Mm -hmm. um, and my therapist guided me to, you know, when trying to seek let me reword this. I don't know why, but I got real triggered. Oh, really? I'm sorry. What happened? Oh, I, I can't identify it, but I just kind of mm. like, mm. um, yeah. Okay. I got it. You're right. Rewind. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. So after I, um, started therapy, actually, when I was still married, I was trying to focus on what healthy relationships looked like mm -hmm. and what they felt like. Mm -hmm. I realized I was trying to make myself feel safe in a situation that wasn't safe. Mm -hmm. My therapist had me try to identify, well, what is safe? What feels mm -hmm. safe? Mm -hmm. And I listed my friends mm -hmm. and she was like, how they make you feel, mm -hmm. how you make each other feel, that's your baseline. Yep. You get to a point where you're looking for a new partner because when you exit those toxic dynamics, you have an intense fear of just re-entering into another one. Yep. Why we start doing the deep work, look at a childhood stuff, all of it. But when she said that's your baseline and a person you commit to as a partner should make you feel like that plus more, mm -hmm. it like, it changed my world. Yeah. 
yeah. me a while to believe that it exists, but the level, my friends love me so well. We all love mm-hmm. each other so mm-hmm. well that it helped me raise the bar of saying mm-hmm. it. You know, you're mm-hmm. competing with my alone time, which I love, and with my <laughs> which I love. Mm-hmm. You better, you better be holding that bar in the air above it. Like that's right. You better bring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I remember having that moment too. It wasn't with my therapist, but it was with one of my, my really, really good friends who, when we were both single for a hot minute, um, we, I mean, almost weekly, we would have our little friend date night. And more often than not, it was me going to her house and we'd cook dinner and then sit around and just watch TV for like, a while, like whether it was a movie or some TV, you know, whatever a show. And it was, it was just so comfortable. It was so easy, right? Like it, it just felt like, I know you and I have talked about before, how do we know when we found home, right? And it was, it was a combination of joy and peace, right? And it was just, that's what it felt like to be with her and around her and hanging out with her. And I was like, remember saying to her, I'm like, this is what I want. But then the, in, like when I find my person, but then like, the intimacy, the sex and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like, but this is like, why can't I have that? And she's like, you can. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. And it was kind of, it was kind of the same kind of thing, except it was, you know, wasn't in therapy, but um, we both were in a lot of therapy. So, you know, might, might as well have been, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I remember that was a, that was a big moment for me. And then I think one thing for me that I would say to, you know, the listeners is for me, like circling back around to that thing of externalizing our relationship with ourselves and prioritizing that and, you know, really kind of understanding that if we're, if we're free to be ourselves and we're loving ourselves and other people the way that we would, if we're being our authentic full selves, Right. Because I, I got to a place where I was making these concessions going, going back to my, you know, way back to my first example of how I was making concessions in these dating relationships. And by this point in my life, I knew me pretty well. Right. Like I was like, I know who I am. I am amazing. <laughs> like, especially in my friendships, like those bitches are lucky. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, I'm a really good friend. Um, And this was probably the last, I don't know about the last, but it was one of the more recent big epiphanies that I had. And it was around mutuality and, and or reciprocity, whichever it's like the same word basically. Right. But it was kind of understanding that I wasn't going to settle for less than I give. And that automatically raised the bar pretty high because I give a lot in my relationships. I love hard. I love well. Like I'm not perfect. Never will be. But that like that immediately like shifted things for me immediately and not just in who I was dating. Like it made me make changes in some of my friendships and different things like that. And I think that has really been something that I've shared with a lot of people when it comes to how do I not make concessions and it's like, well, require mutuality. Yes. Right. Because then you can say to yourself, I'm not asking for more than I'm willing to give. Mm hmm. Oof. That like that helped me through so many of these dating relationships when I'm Mm -hmm. trying to to figure out between empathy and like, but is this serving me? Yeah. A much better way to look at it is how does this make me feel? Mm-hmm. Because 
I mean, we're both INFJs. People <laughs> love how we feel. Yeah. But then I have to step back and be like, but how do you make me feel? I get yep. why you want to keep me close, but do I feel that as well? If yep. that mutuality isn't there, something's misaligned. Yep. And it doesn't mean like tit for tat, right? Like it doesn't mean like if I texted you three times this week, then you have to text me three times this week, right? Like that's not oh. like, so we're clear, right? Like when what we're talking about is investment. Right. You know, at the, at the baseline is like, if I am invested in you in the ways that I invest in people, you need to be as invested in me as I am in you. And that might show up differently because you're a different person than me, but the exchange and I think it's also important to note, because I know you and I have gone through this even in our own relationship, is there are different times that we are able to invest more. And it's and even in, even that is reciprocal, right? Yes. Like, well, because at different times, and when, whenever you're in a relationship with somebody for more than a hot minute, people are going to go through seasons where like you, you use your hermity, I'm in my hermity, <laughs> you know, modes, right? Like where we're just going through a lot and we don't have a lot to give. And so at that point, like it might feel like things are a little off balance because I might've been doing better and you might've been struggling. And then there might've been a flip. And when I was struggling and you were doing better, but when you look at the over, you know, and I think this is important for any relationship, right? When you look at the big picture, it balances out. Right. Right. It's not this tit for tat thing. Absolutely. And that was, that was very hard for me to understand. You taught me so much about that. Um, You're welcome. I felt so <laughs> Thank you. I felt so uncomfortable <laughs> receiving mm -hmm. because I had so much of my worth based in being the giver. Yeah. That it took safety yeah. to be able to accept, but then I would have my hermity, you know, months and moments and mm -hmm. like, Feeling a lot, man. Mm -hmm. And then I would have this guilt and burden that I'm not being a good friend because mm -hmm. I haven't engaged in X, Y, Z. And mm -hmm. your situation about your friend, I had one extremely similar. Mm -hmm. She was not kind about it. Yeah. And it still kind of lives in there. And what I would yeah. reach out to, you know, I'm really sorry. You you could validate for me that like the reciprocity is different per season. It doesn't yeah. mean the core of it is different, but the yep. action different and show up differently. Yep. 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 Well, um, I think the only other thing, I don't know if you still wanted to share this or not, but I know that you said one of the things that you thought might be helpful was talking about how your current partner has really helped you see and learn some things about maybe in hindsight or about the concession making because you're being so encouraged to not make concessions in your, in your new partnership and, and what that's been like for you. Oh, absolutely. There was a really small one that it, small, but not small and mm -hmm. kind of in the beginning, um, we were texting and he likes to game. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had texted like, I thought you were gaming. Like this conversation has been going through for three hours and he mm -hmm. was like, well, I am like I game. And then when I see that you text, I pause, I put it down mm -hmm. and engage, but he was still very engaged. It wasn't like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I'm impressed. And his response was, you should not be. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And there are lots of little things like that where it actually points out places where I have still needed to raise my bar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, he made the comment one day, he was like, you know, the affirmation is good. Like 
he's like but you're you're impressed by so little mm. and he said kind of it made him sad mm-hmm. yeah but he points it out where yeah. other people would be like ah, yeah like right easy mm-hmm. like to just coast on through mm-hmm. um, i'm great not the way it's that's taken. right i'm great <laughs> yeah 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 i love that and i think you know turning that around and how to how would i receive that as a listener or how you know what can i what can i do with that is just kind of thinking again for yourself is being mindful of what do we tell ourselves right when when we're wanting something or when we're asking for something and are we thinking it's too much right Mm -hmm. and is it really right or is this what people who are healthy mature human beings (laughs) do in relationship right and again even bringing it right back around to the mutuality piece because i make up these things that that he was doing for you if you were doing them for for your people and they said wow i'm really impressed you'd be like why right right (laughs) um so for me that's a really good like measuring um you know kind of meter another thing when it comes from this specific relationship and he and I've talked about this a bit where I feel really lucky that we were friends for well over a year before mm-hmm. the dynamic shifted. Yeah. And just in, in a way where friends raised the bar, like the way he existed and showed up and listened and was yeah. Lonely, yet goofy, all of these things, like before I was, we were entertaining the idea of having a romantic partnership he was raising the bar on who I was dating because I'm like, mm. now I know this amazingness exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now I can't make concessions and lower my bar because that idea that it, well, it doesn't exist and I need to just accept this. Yep. It does exist. It does exist. And my friends, even before him, helped do that because like yeah. I like, I like yeah. very humans. Like I, yeah. I, you got to be goofy and able to laugh, but also we need to be able to talk deeply and about mm-hmm. weird stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, need, I need it all. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Well, I think, you know, we may not have had a super formal takeaways, but I think there are a lot of really great things that I make up. People are going to be inspired by, through our conversation, a lot of awareness. And as we said before, that's one of the biggest keys and the the first steps that we can take to not making concessions. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. And in doing so, my listeners, I wanted to let you know that if you want to understand more about the ways gaslighting has shown up in your life and robbed you of being free to be you and making these concessions, check out my website. I have a number of offerings that will help you break these holds and help you step into radical self-love. I will have the link in my show notes. And as always, I'd love to invite you to follow me on your preferred social media platform because we can actually like talk about things there. You could leave me messages about, you know, these inspiring posts that I put up thanks to my awesome guests like Annie. Um, and so we can connect there. So I, um, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Sarah Morales coaching and I'm on TikTok as at sassy Sarah deconstructs and I'll have the links in my show notes. Annie, as always, thank you so much for hanging out with me and being on the pod and sharing 
from your life and your thoughts. It's just always amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love spending time with you. Yay. All right. And thank you, my listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it in the hands of more people who could benefit from it, please leave a review and subscribe. And additionally, if you can think of one person in particular who could benefit, please share it with them. And remember, you may have crashed and burned and broken heart, but damn it, you're a phoenix and you're rising again. I think it's time we fly. And now Phoenix by Katrina Stone. There's no flicker, there's no flame in you. Think we're playing in a game, dear. You and I aren't the same, and I need a chance to rise from the ashes. Everybody watching, everybody talking. Smoke, it only makes me smile Yeah.